what's good, jazz fans? Welcome to Jabber Jazz, your home for fan-driven, ad-free Utah jazz basketball content from an analytical emphasis. I'm your host, Adam Bushman. You can find me on Twitter at Adam underscore Bushman. And today, we're talking the end of the season has finally come for the Utah Jazz. We're going to break down the season summary and hand out end-of-season grades for both the team, players, and the staff in general. If you like what we're doing here at the podcast, please, we'd appreciate it if you consider subscribing on your favorite podcast app, giving us a follow on Twitter at Jabber underscore jazz, leaving a review or a comment even on YouTube would go a long way to helping this podcast get to more jazz fans like yourselves and ensure that we keep producing some unique content for you guys and that uh, it's all Utah Jazz centered and, and focused on some really relevant topics. Well, without further ado, let's jabber jazz. Right, so the season is over 2022-23 Utah Jazz season is over and man was it a an interesting season I, I can certainly say for myself it was a real real pleasure to enjoy this this team that was kind of a hodgepodge team that was put together kind of dropped in our lap I've talked a lot about how we kind of just inherited what was convenient to be thrown into the trades that that happened over the offseason and throughout the the season and the Jazz really made the best of what they had and it turned out to be a really fun enjoyable season and it will be a real memorable one as kind of a really great way of kicking off a new era of the Utah Jazz team. It's also interesting to kind of look back and think how many questions did we have about this team coming in? So the first thing we always thought about was, hey, the jazz, are the Jazz tanking or are they going to be winning? We heard a lot from local uh, news reporters that the Jazz were planning to win, but you looked at the roster and you thought, oh man, how could this, how's this team going to compete? And then from a national media standpoint, and even from the odds makers, everyone was really shorting the Utah Jazz. And so that was kind of the big first question that we had. And then we kind of thought, okay, well, what kind of a coach is Will Hardy going to be? You know, he talks in his his interviews about, you know, hard-nosed, competitive, you know, basketball, that they want to play at defense, they want to be team-oriented. The thing is, everybody says that in their coaching interviews. So we really didn't know what kind of coach Hardy was going to be, uh, even – who were going to be the short and long-term characters for this team? You know, the Jazz, like I said, they inherited a real mishmash crew. And so it was interesting at the time to think and kind of muse about, okay, who's here in the short term? Who's going to be here in the long term? And what role do all of these characters play? Also, we were curious, where are the picks going to end up? You know, the Jazz had just made trades to acquire two additional picks for this uh, upcoming draft with the Rudy Gobert trade and then the subsequent Bojan Bogdanovic trade. And we were both curious where those are going to end up and certainly where our own pick was going to. That's a lot of questions 
that we had about it about a team at the start of the year and now looking back it's really kind of impressive what the jazz were able to do from the get-go you know they started the season off incredibly strong they really surprised uh themselves and and i think the rest of the league getting out to that that really impressive run uh, Larry Markkinen really showed out. We saw a lot of those principles that Will Hardy preached, and and we saw some some real improvement, and and a lot of guys really kind of step up into a new role. The Jazz clicked really quick as the season progressed. I think it showed that our talent kind of caught up with us a bit. You know, we weren't going to be the best team in the in the NBA, but we stuck around kind of that middle class of the NBA for a good long time. It was really quite impressive what what the Jazz were able to do to start off the season. You know, then the trade deadline came. We moved on from some of the veterans, but the Jazz were still good. And on the nights when everybody was available and they were really going after it, the Jazz were just as good as they had been for the first two-thirds of the year. And I think that really told us a lot about Larry Markkinen and Walker Kessler especially. So we're going to be going through some of the the season from a grades perspective. Uh, So we'll talk about team grades. We're going to talk about player grades. And we're also going to review some of the staff for the Utah Jazz as well, hand out some grades for kind of how things went. I think it'll be a good way for us to kind of go back through different points of the season, really kind of talk about them. And here's kind of my approach to the grades. It's going to be a relative scale. And that scale will be relative to the expectations that I and what I perceived the fan base had for such players coming into the year. So Luka Samanich and Larry Markkinen won't be at the same scale, but we'll we'll see their grades given out relative to what expectations were for the two players. Also, just as a reminder, C is going to be passing for this exercise, meaning if you get a C, you met expectations uh, perfectly. And the if you get an F, that means we completely saw unmet expectations for the given player, whereas an A would be that expectations were completely blown away and, and they surpassed all of them that we could have expected. And we're just going to do this exercise for players who logged more than 100 minutes. So that will naturally f- filter out, you know, Micah Potter, uh, even Leandro Bolmaro, uh, and I-, I think just two others. So we won't talk about them. Just, you know, they saw such few time. It- it's really hard to even say what expectations were and in such a small sample size, how they really performed against those. So that's going to be the approach to the grades. And without further ado, let's dive right into them. All right, so let's talk about team grades for a second. I decided to divide it up into three categories, the first of which being the direction of the team. You could think about this as a way of saying, hey, was the team successful? But then what is success exactly you know for some teams you know success is just making the playoffs for others with the the previous regime the jazz have had success was really about getting to the western conference finals but we didn't have that regime 
Also, if you were a pro-tanking fan, maybe success was really reverting and, and getting a high lottery pick. So it was re- it's really tough to kind of say, oh, what is success based upon you know defining success? So I decided to kind of localize or, or take this in a different perspective in direction. Did the Jazz have a concise direction for where they're going? That type of thing. And this season was really wishy-washy from the Jazz from a direction standpoint, right? You know, they came into the year, they put on a brave face saying that they were going to compete, they were going to play the veterans, everyone was going to have to compete, that yes, they wanted to develop the young guys, but really that was that would have to come in the context of being good and winning games. But then throughout the season, we saw that at certain points, they kind of wish-washed on that, and especially towards the end of the year when they traded away the veterans, when they uh, accentuated playing time for their their young guys, and even sat some games, sat the stars for some games, had Larry Markin and playing others, uh, brought back Colin Sexton for like a single game, you know, stuff like that. You know, they were really wishy-washy the entire season. And what that kind of meant is that, for better or worse, mostly worse, they compromised both better draft position and legitimate playoff experience for a young core. So they compromised both those two. Now, in fairness, they... They did enough to end the season just outside of that dreaded middle ground, right? We're going to have the ninth pick in the uh, upcoming, you know, pre-lottery, right? So come lottery, we'll, we'll, we'll find out where all those odds for the given lottery teams will shake out. But pre-lottery, we're at the ninth pick. So that's just outside of that dreaded middle ground. But man, they cut it extremely close. And two games go the other way. You know, the Jazz could be in the play-in tournament. You know, maybe you make the the playoffs and, and, and you're, you know, chopped liver for Denver or something. But anyways, it, it just kind of like, it was weird how, how wishy-washy it was throughout the entire season. So ultimately, for the direction of the team, I gave this a grade of a D. So far below a passing grade. The next section for the team grades is development. And this I kind of thought was, hey, are you developing your young players? Are you seeing advancement from from players who are well into their career? And are the veterans accentuating or playing a complementary role to those two endeavors? And I thought the Jazz saw major strides across the entire team in this area. I thought that early the development minutes were a little hard to come by, Um I think it took too long, personally, for Kessler to start getting some of the serious minutes. It wasn't until Kelly Olynyk got injured that we really said, oh yeah, Kessler's going to be our starting center. I think we could have done that far earlier. I think he could have gotten up into those 25 minutes per game a lot quicker, even if he wasn't starting. And then uh, Oshai Abaji, you know, we kept, they kept saying, hey, he's not ready, he needs to... He needs to be showing and demonstrating better habits for him to start playing. And honestly, I don't know if he was showing better habits by the time he started playing in January. It, it could be that he was the exact same player behind the scenes. I, I don't know for sure. 
we've seen that the Jazz this season kind of went certain ways without rhyme or reason anyway. So I don't know that we could say something about that. Anyway, so there was some inexplicable allocation, uh, minutes, role in some some instances. But overall, I think you saw enough big jumps from several players. And eventually, the totality of the season, heavily weighted towards the end thereof, you saw plenty of development minutes. So I I ultimately give this development section an A- for the Jazz. Now moves. This is the third section of team grades. And where I kind of thought about with this was, are the Jazz helping the other two categories, development and direction, with roster moves? Is everything cohesive? Is everything in lockstep to where you know the other two are being complemented by roster moves? So... I think we did a good job at this. I think we went from a limited amount of picks and and players who weren't stars hadn't any value. So we went from this terrible situation of, you know, non-star assets there was none to having quite a big host of both. We also went from rotation players with little to no long-term potential and we swapped for players who do, right? So Taylor Horton Tucker for um, for Beasley, for example, right? And, you know, we can go on down the list, but I think that, that in general the Jazz got about 90% of all they hoped for in deals. I think the, the Rudy Gobert deal got far more than they had hoped. I think the Donovan deal they got exactly what they hoped for. Uh, thanks to Cleveland. I think the Bojan deal and the eventual Mike Conley, Jared Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley, Nikhil Alexander-Walker deal, I think that one yielded less return than they'd hoped for as well. But overall, I think they got probably around 90% of everything that they hoped for in deals. Ultimately, in this move section, I'm probably going to give it a B plus for the Jazz. So that wraps up the team grades section. And now here next, we're going to talk about player grades. All right, player grades. So I'm going to try to keep this, you know, a minute, minute and a half for each player. We're going to go in order of the total minutes accumulated throughout the season, which means we start with Larry Markinen. I mean, what really is there to say that hasn't already been said? Went from a role player, starter, basically, to an all-star, all-NBA level player. I mean, he showed everything, improved uh, efficiency. Uh, He showed uh, a better aptitude for scoring the ball as a shooter and as a finisher at the rim. He got to the line uh, extremely well. He played some real complementary roles defensively as a secondary shot blocker. Um, I just thought that he was spectacular all year. Literally, I think he showed everything except self-creation. I don't think he showed enough self-creation. Now, I know that's a sticky topic on Twitter, but I think that's the next evolution of his game. I wonder if he can take some of those strides next year. Um, I'm really curious to see, even if he doesn't, he's still an all-star level player, top 20 
five thirty player in the league, which is is just a spectacular development given where we kind of expected him to be. Uh, even even after what happened in Eurobasket, I thought okay he'll settle in somewhere in between what he was in Eurobasket and what he kind of showed with the Cavaliers. He was better this season than he was in Eurobasket relative to the competition, teammates, all that kind of stuff. Lauren Marketing, he gets the grade of an A for me. All right, Jordan Clarkson. I thought he demonstrated some improved awareness and especially some instincts for passing. I thought that he was much more willing to share the ball, to set up his teammates. I think he I think Will Hardy empowered him as a playmaker for others. Whereas I think Quinn Snyder empowered him as a as a scorer, as a, hey, don't worry about the five shots you've missed. Go get that sixth because that one's going to propel us to where we need to be, that type of thing. So I, I don't know that it's a ton of Clarkson development necessarily, but more so uh, empowerment of the player that was already there and maybe some more some differently defined roles. Either way, uh, I think he did enough to get just over a passing grade. I'm going to put him at a C plus. Uh, I think that was the areas that he improved. It, it was some marginal improvement, and, and so that's why I kind of end up at a C plus. Okay, Kelly Olenek. I thought Kelly had one of his best seasons, and in a variety of different categories, not only just from efficiency, uh, from passing, but also impact on the team as well. I thought that he basically put everything together that he had done well in previous seasons at different different stages. I think he put it all together and he did it at, at about a 5 to 10% improvement in each one. And I think that all just translated to, uh, for him, what was probably his best season. I put Kelly Olenek with a, a B- relative to expectation. Uh, I thought his passing was extremely valuable and, and even some of his self-created attempts uh, turned out to be valuable in certain situations for the Jazz. Now, as the team gets better, as we've seen in some of his previous stops with Boston, Miami, and others, it's you wonder if his his style and and where where he impacts the game, if that is best suited for a middling team rather than a team that's really competing. That that's something that. I have a hunch about from previous stops, and it'll be interesting to kind of see how that translates. Okay, Walker Kessler. Everything we saw in college translated far above what was expected. Yeah, he was an amazing shot blocker in college. So were a lot of dudes. And it didn't mean that they did diddly squat in the league. Okay, so the fact that everything he did well in college... He is doing exceptionally well in the NBA. I don't think that that is, is I think that's a beautiful compliment and, and, and shouldn't be kind of interpreted as a, as a, I don't know, a slight. I, I think that is just a really, really amazing accomplishment. I don't think we've seen anything new from him yet. Uh, I, I, you know, we, we saw him take, I think, two three-point attempts this season. Uh, those were cool. 
But really, I don't think we've seen a ton new to his game. He, I don't think he's shown a ton of aptitude for passing, for example. I don't think he's shown a big propensity in large samples to be guarding on the perimeter. So I don't. that's not really a knock. It's just, hey, that's not propelling him even above more expectations. So I'm putting Walker Kessler at, at an A-. minus. I thought he had a superb season. Currently my favorite player on the team. All right, Malik Beasley uh, traded at the deadline to the Minis- uh, excuse me to the Los Angeles Lakers uh, in the three-team deal that included the Minnesota Timberwolves. He's an excellent shooter, and I think that's what we expected. That's what he turned out to be, and honestly, he was about average to below average at everything else. And I think that's about what we expected him to be. You know, as the season went on, he started being included in trade rumors and things. I thought to myself. Okay, I understand, you know, putting him on on the trade block. I think my inclination would probably be to keep Malik Beasley because at at some point in the future, you're going to want that type of player. You're going to want that type of player who can, you know, spot up, shoot off movement, shoot off the catch, uh, and, and really be prolific from deep at a at a nice size. But I understood that that Potentially, potentially Oshai Abaji could be that. And there are a handful of guys in the draft where the Jazz are picking who that's their calling card. Grady Dick, Jordan Hawkins, um, let's see, Jet Howard, Keontae George, right? There's a lot of guys right in the areas that the Jazz are going to be drafting who could probably step in and from day one be... 90% of Malik Beasley with a lot more potential and on a rookie contract. So I put uh, Malik Beasley at a C. I think we got exactly what we expected. And I understand the reasons for moving off of him because I think there's some real avenues to getting exactly what he was for us on a rookie contract with actual potential. Okay, Talon Horton Tucker. I think he showed a lot more as a playmaker for the Jazz than he had for previous uh, teams, the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, I thought you saw him kind of really be honed as a point guard. Now, it is interesting, however, and I think that this might be a lesson for maybe, uh, you know, an Austin Reeves who has really been showing out in the play-in tournament towards the end of the season uh, and in that uh, game one against the Memphis Grizzlies, that he saw a lot of time because the Lakers didn't really have anyone better than him. He saw a lot of rotational time, and he was playing with one of the great floor raisers in LeBron James. And he got a big contract, and then he got kind of you know overrated by the league. And we even saw earlier in the season that he saw some good stretches where he was uh, did not play DNP, coach's decision. So... I think he showed more, but again, he's showing more on a team where there's not too many people that are better than him, and especially towards the end of the season when he was putting up career highs, and he's taking these off-the-bounce threes and getting into the lane for all these acrobatic finishes. They're cool, but I I wonder if they're a product of the situation, and when the situation changes, like I think it will next year, that we don't see some of some of the regression that we saw towards the start of the season. I'm going to put Taylor Horton Tucker at a B minus. 
I do think there's been some improvement there. I just question to what extent it can translate to increasingly better teams that he plays for. Okay, let's talk Mike Conley. I honestly thought he'd get injured again. Okay, after after the season he had last year, after the you know playoffs that he had last year, and just where everything was kind of trending, I I thought it was a matter of when he was going to get injured this year. Now I am knocking on wood that that is not an omen for this playoff series because I, I think Mike Conley can it, it is a key key cog for the Minnesota Timberwolves. But uh, but that's where I think that Mike really demonstrated some uh, some improvement this year, in the sense that you know he was able to stay healthy, stay on the floor, and impact games. You know, I was also unsure about his interest in the direction of the team, and you know I think he showed that hey he's more than happy to mentor. Guys, I think he really enjoyed being in in Utah and having his family here. Uh, it was sad to see him sent off to Minnesota, though. Uh, I think it was cool that he could, you know, go to a team who was uh, interested and motivated to play for uh, playoff wins, playoff series wins. I thought Mike Conley was really good this year. Uh, interestingly, his third best season from a, a raw true shooting percentage. Uh, I end up ended up giving Mike Conley the grade of a B on this season. I thought uh, he played above expectation, at least for me, though it wasn't necessarily in every facet better than previous seasons. Okay, Jared Vanderbilt. This one's gonna be interesting. So I think Jared Vanderbilt coming to the Jazz had some had some expectations attached to him that ultimately weren't really fulfilled. And that's why I'm just going to say it. I gave Jared a D plus with the jazz as a grade. I think he came to the jazz with the reputation of a good one-on-one defender. And ultimately he's not, he's overrated as a one-on-one defender. Uh, He is the type to gunk up a half court possession he is the type to you know generate uh, to be active in the half court um, and and defending in transition, you know, getting his hand on the ball and blocks and steals and stuff like that. But ultimately, I think he was overrated as a defender. And similarly, I think that translated to a lot of highlights, a lot of oh man, look at that hustle. But when you take it kind of in the aggregate and you're less focused, narrowly focused on those singular plays and you take a macro look at it, take that wide lens, I don't think he impacts winning very much. And so that's why I ultimately said said with my grade that he was a D plus because honestly, I think he left quite a bit to to be desired, especially when you look at the totality of his production and are less focused at some of those singular moments that uh, that accumulated throughout the season. D-plus for Jared Vanderbilt. Oshai Abaji. I thought he'd be more ready. 
I thought four-year college player at Kansas, just comes off a national championship, showed development each year uh, at his time in Kansas. I thought that he was going to be ready to be a rotational player day one. And ultimately, he wasn't. You know, he saw some spot minutes, but ultimately spent quite a bit of time with the Stars, saw a lot of DNP CDs, and it wasn't really until January that he started kicking off real rotation minutes. Now, we saw some good stuff at the end of the year. You know, he turned out to be a 38% three-point shooter, you know, from January on. I believe that was uh, the mark. So if you take out, you know, his spot minutes and and all that was kind of starting the year, you know, he turned out to be a good three-point shooter. You know, you really saw him starting to drive the basketball, um, And what I really liked on defense and offense towards the end of the year, he wasn't just running from one corner to the other. He went on defense and offense with a purpose. He knew how to rotate. He knew how to be in a better angle for his defender. Now, plenty of work to still do on the defensive end, but he actually looked like he knew what he was doing rather than having Rudy Gay shove him around to be in the right spot. Similarly on offense, instead of just going to camp out in the in the corner for a three, you know, he would move off ball. He would set some screens. He actually looked like he was participating constructively in the offense. So those were actually some some good strides uh, for Oshai. But again, I expected him to be I expected him to do that kind of stuff from day one. So ultimately I'm just gonna give him the grade of a C plus. Okay, Colin Sexton. I thought he was a better shooter this year and demonstrated a lot better habits than he did previously in Cleveland. Now, I did expect his hamstring to be more healthy, and he saw it get re-aggravated at a couple points throughout the year. And I think the Jazz were especially careful wanting him to be healthy enough for a good off-season of development. Um, but ultimately I thought he showed a lot better stuff. And if you look, if you look at the at the per 75 possession, so the rate stats, saying if he played the same number of possessions this season as he did uh, two years ago, pre-injury, in what was arguably his best season to date in Cleveland, if you look at those per-possession numbers, Colin Sexton was like 90% of the player he was with better habits and uh, better efficiency. That gives Colin, in my opinion, a B-minus on the season. All right, Rudy Gay. He was literally everything I expected. When I looked back at the stats at the end of the season, he was literally worse at everything compared to his first season with the Jazz. That first season being last year, uh, we had Joe Ingles, we had Bojan, Mike, we had Don, we had Rudy. Okay, We were a really good team, and Rudy Gay had some tough time assimilating into the team and, and, and being impactful. I totally would have thought just contextually and, and from a pure quant- qualitative standpoint that this season was better than last, and it was totally untrue. In almost any statistical category, if you compare the two, this season he was far worse. Rudy Gay gets a D-plus for me. All right, Simone Fontecchio. I thought he'd be more consistent. 
Okay, he's played over in Europe quite a bit. He looked really good in Eurobasket. I thought he would come over and it would take him a little bit to assimilate. But once he kind of got into a bit of a groove, I thought you'd see some small good stretches uh, or like some small exceptional stretches and some small really bad stretches. But mostly he was, you know, just good. And he had a lot more variance to his game than I expected. I gave him a C minus. Okay, Chris Dunn. Man, when the Jazz announced that they were signing Chris Dunn out of the G League on a 10-day contract, I thought, okay, like we had been wanting to see this guy in years past, you know, defensive specialist, former fifth pick in, in the NBA draft. Like this will be interesting. Then he started playing pretty well, and I thought, you know what? The dude's fighting for his life. This may be one of you know, the final chances he gets to get back into the NBA permanently. Uh, good for him. It's really small sample. I'm not really giving it too much thought. And then he got better and better and better. And he's proved that he's not only just an NBA player, but the dude's a rotational point guard. Like, he's going to be our backup point guard next year. His floater and passing prowess really surprised me this year. Um, I thought I mean, we always knew about the defense, you know, and, and how prolific he was on that end. But he actually really postured himself well on the offensive end and, con- and contributed valuably. So I gave I gave Chris Dunn an A. Like this came out of nowhere, and he sustained it for enough of a sample that you know I think uh, clearly the Jazz are excited about him. You know, having given him uh, a non-guaranteed contract for next year, he'll be with the team. But uh, but I, I was just very impressed. Great of A for Chris Dunn. Okay, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. I thought his shot was a little better this year than I had expected. Assisted turnovers were still bad. He was he was probably our one of our better perimeter defenders for a good portion of the year which was a little surprising, but I think that mostly speaks to how devoid we were on the card line of competent defense than anything. I gave Nikhil a grade of a C plus. I I had thought that with so much, you know, with so much roster flux and that he would have another opportunity to kind of carve out a serious role for himself. But uh, but maybe just a, yet another coach in his short career, uh, you know, maybe that was just just too tough for him to to kind of really find a groove. Um, and then again, found a, yet another coach in Chris Finch after the trade here uh, to Minnesota. Uh, C plus for Nikhil Alexander Walker. Yudoka Azubuki, he played more than I expected, and he actually stayed on the floor and had moments. Like that was always the thing with with. Azubuki that I struggled with, you'd see a moment and then you would go game after game, sometimes weeks without another moment. And that's what stuck out to me about Walker Kessler. You just saw moment after moment after moment after moment strung together over and over and over and over again. And that's what just made me jump all over all over Kessler, you know, within the first like two games of preseason. And so he played more than I expected. He had some moments that were more sustained than in years past. Staying on the floor. I give Yudoka Azubuki a C plus. 
Juan Toscano Anderson, you know, I think he was about what we expected. I didn't have many expectations for him, honestly, though I was curious if he would be getting back to some of the impact and the shooting prowess that he had displayed for, honestly, multiple years for the Golden State Warriors. And thus far, he really hasn't showed either of those two things, in my opinion. Uh, but again, I really didn't have that many expectations. I was just curious what might might turn out if, if he could kind of rebound from a really tough year with the Lakers. Uh, I gave I gave Juan a, a grade of a C minus. Damian Jones. One thing that I hadn't expected is he showed he can play with another big. The Jazz had him on the floor with Azubuki, with Kessler, and I thought that he showed that he has a two-way game, that he can space the floor a little bit, and he, he can like survive out there as a, as a second big. Like If the Jazz wanted to roll out stints of Kessler and, and Damian Jones, like I think... I think that you can survive at a lower production level of a Rudy Gobert, Derek Favors lineup. Again, lower production level. I want to make that clear, but like, I don't think you're going to get get killed like I might have thought that group what would have been. You know, not being able to score and then getting to, to you know being able to defend. It's not all roses, like I said. It's far below the production of like a Rudy Gobert, Derek Favors pairing, but I was a little surprised at how how natural it felt on both ends of the floor. I I'm giving Damian Jones a grade of B minus. Johnny Juzang, he, a second round pick from last draft. I thought he showed some stuff towards the end of this year, but I honestly thought he'd be a better shooter. Uh, you look back at some of his his UCLA. You know, shooting stats, especially the free throw percentage, and I just thought that he his his three point shot might translate a little better. Uh, it it looks it looks pretty good, um, and he has shown some stuff. But I don't know that left me with a bit to be desired. I gave Johnny Juzang a D plus, and finally Luka Samanic. He uh, again, I I didn't have many expectations for Luka. Um, you know, he had had very little time with the Spurs in the first two years after being drafted uh, in the first round. And then he's been in the G League for quite a bit. Uh, he had quite a bit more of a handle and definitely more of an in-between game than I thought he did. You know, I thought he moved really well, uh, he dribbled, you know, you had good footwork, good touch. Uh, I, I thought that he really showed some stuff, and clearly the Jazz did too. I mean, they they gave him some guaranteed money for next year, so they're they're clearly intrigued enough by him to to want him on the roster next year. And, and I was pretty intrigued as well. Um, he actually, in in quite quite short order, uh, amassed quite a number of minutes and, and started a number of games for the jazz kind of demonstrates just how much the jazz tried to lean into a, a really instantaneous tank. <laughs> okay. So that kind of wraps up player grades uh, for everybody who played more than a hundred minutes for the jazz this season. Okay, we're going to wrap up here with some staff grades. 
Okay, we're going to first start off with the coaching staff. This coaching staff onboarded new head coach, Will Hardy. They only brought back two members of the previous coaching staff, Alex Jensen and Lamar Skeeter. I thought they they maximized production every night from the guys they played. Even towards the end of the year when the Jazz were just running out a skeleton, skeleton crew, I thought that they really were able to motivate, inspire. I thought that they were really able to put combinations of guys out there that were productive. You know, a lot of competitive games, a lot of close wins. That was kind of like the defining thing early in the season with, you know, wins against the Minnesota Timberwolves, New Orleans Pelicans, uh, and and more. That the Jazz were really competitive and, and were able to pull out close wins. Um, and to some extent, that might be a might be a a detriment or a or you know one of those things that'll keep you know pro tankers <laughs> awake at night. But from a pure coaching staff standpoint, like that's that's what you want to see: coaching staffs that you know can can squeeze every last ounce of of production and incompetence out of out of their rotations. Now they did make some mistakes in rotations, challenges, timeouts. That all that kind of stuff, but you expect that kind of thing from a, a new coaching staff with, frankly, a mishmash crew. And uh, I, I would expect some development from the coaching staff next season. Uh, I would expect them to have a much better idea of what they want to do with the team. You know how to how to pair things up nicely with with the incoming players that the Jazz will surely have. I think they'll settle in. I give the coaching staff a B plus. I thought that they were really excellent this year. I'm really excited about Hardy. I think that he he's got some X's and O's abilities. He really does. But I think from a the standpoint of caring about his players, of you know, extracting the best out of them and inspiring, motivating, that type of thing. I think he really, really resonates, and I think he's got incredible buy-in. And, uh, yeah, I'm just really excited about Will Hardy. So a grade of B-plus for the coaching staff. Now let's move to the front office. Amazing trades over the offseason, right? They parlayed Rudy Gobert into you know, picks and picks and picks, players and players and players, and... The, the starting center for the next you know several years, if not a core piece the jazz used to you know land a, a big star in, in a trade in Walker Kessler. And then they did the Donovan Mitchell trade where they were able to stick it to the New York Knicks and simultaneously get an all-star, get another development project in Colin Sexton and picks upon picks upon picks. Now, they did try to tiptoe two directions, right? They wanted their cake, you know, being being good enough to showcase their veterans and, and you know, put on a good face for the league and make a great trade at the deadline and then be bad enough late to, you know, be, be competitive for draft position. So they tried to tiptoe these two directions. And like we said earlier, they really just narrowly missed out on being in that dreaded middle of the pack. Uh, you know, being the number ninth in the pre-draft lottery order. That midseason trade really didn't yield the kind of return that they had hoped for. I mean, it was good, 
but you know, given the the market was was really the the players of Conley, Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley all by themselves were akin to multiple seconds. The fact that they were able to get as good of a pick they did is good, but still it wasn't what they had hoped for. And they made a bet when they played these guys as much as they did and waited and waited and waited until the trade deadline to make a move. The bet they made was that they would get a better better return than they actually got. And so that was that turned out not to be the case. They did have some nice pickups. We talked about Dunn. We talked about Simonich. We talked about Taylor Horton Tucker and, and getting off of, uh, of Patrick Beverly. Earlier I said Beasley, I meant Patrick Beverly. So ultimately, I kind of put the front office at a B plus. Now, just from their offseason trades, they're at an A plus. But I think some of the, you know, the bets, the tiptoeing two directions, I think all that kind of stuff kind of ends them up at a B plus for the front office. Now let's talk the ownership. They pulled the plug on a cooked team. In the Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley, Billion Bogdanovich era, they pulled the plug on that team that was really good, but it was clear they were cooked. It was clear that the vibes were just disastrous, and they had the opportunity to really cash in, and they pulled the trigger, and they did it. And Ryan Smith signed off on it, even though, you know, it, it certainly it was a big. Uh, financial risk and a big, you know, personal fan disappointment, but he pulled the plug on that, and, and that's good. Now they executed just a terrible rebrand. We've had whole podcasts about it, and and if you haven't seen those, go back in our archives, even check out the, our YouTube page under podcast specials, and you can watch the whole video we did about the terrible rebrand. Um, much of the rebrand in terms of like colors, I've actually come around on, but a lot of the execution and the choices for how they went about it were just just a dumpster fire, just just terrible, poor management of the whole thing. Um, they also extended the AT&T Sportsnet contract for another season, accentuating what was already like a terrible regional sports network. Now, now most regional sports networks are, are going down the drain right now, which spells some interesting things going forward for the state of, you know, regional sports distribution, uh, other TV distribution, but still they extended for another year because basically they hadn't devoted enough time to actually solving the problem yet. And so they had to fall back on good old AT&T Sportsnet, who, again, it's unfathomable how they could even have been worse than previous years, but they did it. They were, they were again, really bad this year. So ultimately, I put the ownership at a C-. minus. I think we've started seeing some... I think we've started seeing some instances where Ryan Smith is becoming involved it's good that he's involved but i think his fan side is taking over a little bit too much and in the case of the terrible rebrand and the at&t sports net not i mean hasn't lived up to his bill as you know customer centric really paying attention and reacting to you know the the fan base in a sense but the most important thing was that 
from a basketball move standpoint, he did the right thing by pulling the plug on a good but cooked team when there was opportunity for the highest uh, reward on the trade. So a great C- for the ownership. All right, that's going to do it. Thank you so much for listening. We've had a lot of fun thinking back on the season for the Utah Jazz and how everything kind of shook up and handing out some grades for both the team, the players, and the front office, or I guess the staff in general. If you like what we're doing here at Jabber Jazz, uh, here's how you can support us. Give us a subscription on the podcast app of your choice on Twitter at Jabber underscore Jazz, and even on YouTube. We try to have some videos up there for you, especially when we have guests on. Also, leave a review or a comment. That would really help us get some nice engagement and help other people find out about us as well who are Jazz fans. So thank you so much. We hope to be releasing some more draft content soon. If you haven't checked out our latest number four draft preview with AJ, please check that out in the feed or on YouTube as well. Well, we'll be talking to you soon and leaving you, as we do always, with some sounds of jazz. <laughs>